Hello and welcome to Big Earth Energy. I'm your host, Dwayne Fields, and our mission here is to discuss all things sustainable thinking and action. It's important, it's complicated, and we can all learn more about what's actually going on, and more importantly, why. And to give you some information as to who I am, I'm a presenter, an explorer, and I've been fortunate enough to have led many carbon neutral expeditions through some of the world's most inhospitable places. I also co-founded the We Too Foundation, a charity focused on encouraging young people from deprived areas to learn more about sustainable living and general climate literacy. We'll be speaking with experts from different fields of sustainable thinking and action to hear more about the work they're doing, why they're doing it, and what we could be doing to up our own environmental game. If you like what we're doing here, be sure to check out Twig, the people behind Big Earth Energy, who are doing some really cool stuff with their bank of things. So check out their app, which allows you to start your own climate action today. While making money, you'll be extending a life of items and ultimately actioning sustainable behaviors. You can find them at twigcard.com. The theme of this episode is finding ethical alternatives to everything. And joining us to explore this idea is Noelia Rambal from Good Find. Hello, Noelia, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dwayne. Thank you for having me. I want to get straight into it because I want to know more about Good Find. Good Find is a platform that connects people with good brands that do good. And what that means is at some point in my career as a marketer, I realized there were so many brands that needed to find more customers that actually had a good mission in the world. And my passion since then became to connect them with that people that needed to see them and find them. Most companies, their mission or what they want to do is get bigger, make more money, grow, expand, take over the world. What's your mission as a company? I think ironically, our mission is exactly the opposite. We want to change the economy in this unlimited growth concept out there and change the economy for good by making consumers make better decisions every time. That's a big, bold mission, isn't it? And a lot of people will be like, oh, well, you know, maybe tone it down. And others will say, no, dream big. Why are you so ambitious? We need this ambition in the right spaces. And I think if anything, we need bigger ambitions in the climate and social society space. For me, it's a matter of personal passion, but also coming from a developing country and a society where I could see directly the effects of social injustice and climate injustice, I definitely think it's urgent that we are ambitious in this kind of thing. Why did you start this company? My background is marketing. So as a marketing person, I got used to helping big brands with big pockets. That was my job and, and it felt like I could do a good job at it, but I didn't want to do the good job for that people. I wanted to use my skills for good somewhere else. And understanding that my role could be so positive, then I went into the world of social enterprise and charity cooperatives and tried to understand how can I help here. And it was very, very quickly how I understood from starting to work with them as a consultant that what they needed was to grow their businesses so they could grow their impact. And when I talk about growth, it's not about this unlimited growth that we're used to. It's more about understanding that every consumer has particular amount to spend. And if that money is spent in the right place, the impact of that can be so much more positive. It sounds like you're describing almost selling an idea. Is there even a difference between selling a product and an idea? Huh, that's an interesting concept. I suppose it is. A lot of what Good Find does is trying to create awareness because as you said at the beginning, 
that kind of conversation around climate and what we need to do or to change things in the consumer is very early stage. Like we're still discovering what is it that will kind of change gears in the consumer mind in order to start being more sustainable. There is a small group of people, probably 15% of population that are really convinced about this and they're already taking the right actions in consumer in the right ways. And there is the rest, the majority, that are still not convinced about this. So for us, it's selling the idea about better consumption, more justice, more consciousness about what you consume and where you buy and how you buy it. But the other is like, well, and here are the brands that are doing this job. It's so complicated to find them online. We have done that job for you. We have aggregated them all in one place. And there are over 600 brands at the moment on the platform. Has there been anything that surprised you about the brands that you've come across while doing this. So there's a brand that you think this person, this brand, this company is really sustainable. They're really focused and you've discovered, oh, actually, they might not be as, as focused as we thought they were. <laughs> and there's a mix. I am very open about sustainability is a journey. You cannot be just 100% sustainable one day. It's a journey. And it's a journey from the consumer perspective as well as the brand's perspective. So as consumers, when we expect brands to be 100% perfect, I think we're failing. But equally, there are people out there who would like to say, well, actually, I buy that brand, which makes me feel better. Absolutely. That's when it comes, because I think you need to choose your battles. So if you care a lot about the plastic pollution problem, then go for the plastic-free things. Those plastic-free things might be traveling a bit further, or they might be having some sort of emissions or footprint that are not related to the plastic one. But you've chosen that battle because it's the one you care about. Some other people might be a lot more passionate about fair trade. And it might be that they go for that one, but unfortunately that brand hasn't been able to catch up with a more sustainable packaging, so they will be buying in plastic. At this point, no one has the perfect answer. And I think all the efforts we're making, there are fantastic brands out there, don't get me wrong, and a lot of them get tones of the ticks very, very well. But it, especially because of the nature of sustainable brands today, they are smaller, they are competing against giants. They have to be also competitive in pricing. That means sometimes they can't invest in the right things from the beginning, from the get-go. And that is why it's so important for people to support them at this point, especially now with the climate and the economy. I have seen, sadly, a lot of them close. I almost want to kind of stand somewhere and shout, please support these people before more of them close because we have that power right now of supporting them. So we change that kind of spending power from one place to the other. I completely agree, but I'm going to push back here. The average person at the moment are focused on how do I pay my gas bill? How do I pay my electric bill? I can't afford to buy that brand, which is sustainable. What do they do? Absolutely right and agree with you. I think the economic climate, it's proving challenging for a lot of people. I would say the number one thing I see people do when they want to start a more sustainable journey in their lifestyle is actually reducing consumption. So I would say choose better, buy less, go secondhand on your clothing. There are people out there who buy because they feel they have to buy. Absolutely. And I think it is a social problem. We, I think, have gone through generations that found it so easy to spend money accumulating goods as a way of being happy and not realizing that happiness sits somewhere else within them and there is nothing external that can actually make them happy. I think definitely at this stage of sustainable consumption, it is 
very much positioned for people with some disposable income. And that is very sad, but it is a reality of where the movement is. Unfortunately, as I said before, those brands are not mature enough to be able to compete with pricing and other brands that produce And they don't masses. have the scale to they reduce their prices. The scale. They don't have still that kind of economy of volumes that the big brands will have. So they will be targeting people with a little bit more disposable income. And that's unfortunate, but that doesn't mean that we cannot be teaching younger generations across all walks of life why it's important to reduce consumption, which is a message that doesn't take any money, or to recycle, which is a message that doesn't take any money, right? Like I think about the awareness of the effect of our actions, which don't always include consuming. It can be many others. Do you think convenience goes a long way to blame for this? And I'll tell you why I ask. When I go to buy things, I don't even have to put my card details anymore. I just go to a site, click, and then it's like, buy now, click, bought. And we're buying stuff and getting that sudden hit of dopamine or endorphins or all these feel-good hormones. So we feel good. So then we buy something else and then we feel good for a little while. Yeah, I think it is I think marketers have done a really good job. (laughs) Don't blame me. (laughs) Don't blame us. I mean, look, I think there are a couple of things here. We have to understand that the reason why people go for convenience because we are today as a human race busier than we have ever been. Really? Ever. We have digital jobs. We have digital lifestyles. Everyone is expected to do more. People want to just do their things more efficiently too. And that becomes kind of part of the lifestyle. You want to do things quicker. But what I have learned from a consumer in the last two years running Good Find has been that People want to know that those products and services, first of all, do their job. Do you guys grade the products or offer any advice or what? Tell me how I click on Good Find. Tell me what happens next. What we are today is a directory of brands. So we basically are a tool for you to explore and discover brands. And then you go and trade directly with the retailers themselves. So it's more an awareness brand than anything else. We have actually, as a mission to help people consume better, piloted many different ways. Tools that help you, give you recommendations when you give us some ideas of what your lifestyle is. We have tested different things and currently we're designing kind of our next stage as well, always based on the fact that we have still a lot to learn from consumers and that we haven't cracked it. As I'm saying, like people have these really, really good ideas of, well, I want my products to, first of all, perform. I want that shampoo to give yeah, me shiny, nice hair. You don't want to spend hair. X amount on an expensive shampoo and it doesn't do it. Exactly. I mean, look at me. I go for shampoos all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they work well. Yeah, I think so. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the, the first thing is performance. And then, then obviously, if you're a climate conscious person or like an eco-conscious person, you would look at those credentials, which we don't do at Good Find, by the way. The, we kind of use third-party credentials to kind of categorize those brands so people can find them easily. What I would love brands to understand, or some of the brands, obviously, is that people wouldn't find them and, and choose them only because of those credentials. They have to be a good product as well. And that's what I think makes a big difference. So they have to solve the real problem for the customer and then also be sustainable. We hear lots of terms, sustainability, climate conscious. What does climate literacy mean to you? Book meaning would be about knowing your impact. But that's hard though, isn't it? It is very hard. Again, going back to the consumer, I don't think it's a term that sounds appealing. I feel it sounds quite academic. 
See, you're talking with your uh, marketing head now. Absolutely. How does it sound? How will someone receive that term? Yeah. What would their response be? I think it sounds like a, like a class at uni that no one would like to take. Yeah. <laughs> Consumers <laughs> want to know that someone else did that job for them. Right, right, right. Right. So talking again about convenience, I think what they appreciate is knowing that they are not being an asshole, <laughs> that they are buying something that actually is not damaging something somewhere else. And it's a big gap between that and climate literacy. And also I feel like climate literacy also kind of forgets about the social aspect of things if you take the term too literally. So yeah, my relationship with the term is okay. Would but I feel like I, I would, yeah. Do you have one in mind? Let me ask that now. I normally talk about impact, just general good impact, positive impact. Because when you buy a cup of fair trade coffee, it might or might not be a climate impact, but you know that the person that worked the land for that coffee bean is being paid fairly. And the, and the impact is completely different, but it's also equally important for climate anyway, but in general for society too. So I think it can be a lot broader than it is, but I tend to talk about positive impact in general. And I think it's very relatable for people too. How did you get here today? <laughs> <laughs> Overground, bus and DLR. You come across somebody on the train, DLR, wherever it is you're traveling and you know, you're having a conversation. What do you say to them to help them improve their sustainable lifestyle? People know. I think some people think it's not their problem. That's such a good, yeah, they do. A lot of people think that. And that is a big deal. So I, I think in the way Good Fine and the tone of voice we have created and all of this tries to be quite light, colloquial and relatable is because people don't want to be preached at. And there's so much out there that, you know, it feels like you're being battered with quite a lot. So you've got, you know, there's wars going on, there's pandemics going on the now climate change as well absolutely how do we make climate change and the whole idea of climate literacy how do we bring it to the top of the list it's an interesting question i think it needs to be more accessible all around there needs to be a lot more support for these brands and when i talk about support not necessarily all from the consumer but actually there should be more investment in businesses and brands that are trying to tackle these important problems Support from where? Local council, government, bigger brands? Absolutely. Investment, private investment. There's a ton of money going around. Why is, it, why is there no private investment going in? Surely it's the next thing. Surely people can invest in it and get something out the, the back end. There is some. There is some private investment that is actually growing. And there are very well-known investors, angels, VCs that are in this space. There are still a huge gap in here. And I have seen brands that are really commercially in other ways and they get the money easily because normally less sustainable business practices will get you money quicker. Hold on, let me just take that in. Damaging business practices will get you more money quicker. Exactly. So as an investor, it's quite appealing if you're a general investor. Okay. There is a pod of good, responsible investors and that pod is growing, but it's not nearly where it needs to be. Wow. I've never heard that before in my life. Since we're talking about bad business practices, are there any industry in particular that you think they're really bad? Oh yeah, absolutely. Fast fashion. First of all, there is no teenage girl or boy that doesn't own and buys a ton from them. And why? Because it is accessible, different to more sustainable options. And now secondhand shopping has taken space, but it's still so much easier to buy a five pound top from H&M that is new 
it's just about kind of that convenience again, right? Like, where do you find this top? How do you get it? That feeling of a new piece of or item of clothing. Young people look for a lot of approval. And if you show yourself looking this nice, this Friday evening in that party that you're going will cost you only eight pounds, of course you'll get that without even thinking, hold on, if this dress is costing me eight pounds, how much did the person who made it charge? Let's do some quick maths. A 10 pound shirt, how much do you think it costs to make? Probably 10p. No. I swear. That means the person making it gets nothing. Nothing. They're probably in developing countries, no, 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 probably, certainly in developing countries, working under very bad working conditions, and then they overproduce, right? Which makes the cost per item so low. So, and I'm not an expert in fashion at all, right? So I'm, I'm just throwing things out there, but I know that they overproduce, so the cost per item is so low, and then they don't sell that much. And what happens? They go and burn that excess in landfills. So it's a all round very filthy <laughs> industry but very rich too if you like what we're doing here be sure to check out twig the people behind big earth energy who are doing some really cool stuff with their bank of things so check out their app which allows you to start your own climate action today while making money you'll be extending a life of items and ultimately actioning sustainable behaviors you can find them at twigcard.com what would you say to someone who rocks up and says it's not my problem somebody else can deal with it they're negating their responsibility, would you say to them? I would say it's about kind of showing the effects on their own lifestyle. Make it personal. Absolutely. So one of the kind of narratives I've seen out there at the moment is, you like chocolate, don't you? You like coffee, don't you? Well, those products in a short amount of time are going to be really scarce unless we do something about climate. Foods that grow in places more affected by climate change will start being scarce before anything else, right? So you're going to start lacking your chocolate jar, coffee beans jar. Or paying much more for them. Paying a lot more for them first, absolutely. And then they will actually start tasting bad, reducing their quality. Ultimately, it's going to be scarce or disappear. In my mind right now, uh, there's two things happening. One, I'm thinking, gosh, it's going to be more scarce. But I'm equally thinking, if it's more scarce, and the quality is less, it means the person producing it is having a worse experience because there's few of them, less jobs or fewer jobs. The treatment of them is probably going to be worse if there's fewer of them battling for it. So it's almost a race to the bottom as well. Absolutely. Well, it's the livelihoods of entire communities in the countries that produce these goods, right? Like cocoa and coffee beans and all of these are normally kind of a big portion of the economies of entire countries where this is produced. It's definitely a knockout effect. But if you think about it, if they cannot produce what they have been producing in their lands at that point, likelihood is that they wouldn't have a home at that point. They would actually be displaced. If I gave you a billion pounds today, look at me, do I look like a billionaire? <laughs> if I magicked up a billion <laughs> if I magicked up a billion pounds today, what would your sustainable action plan look like? My sustainable action plan with a billion pounds will be to invest in female-owned sustainable businesses. I read that females were disproportionately affected when it comes to climate change. Yeah, so in places where climate change is more obvious already, tend to be societies on developing countries where 
things like having a daughter, it has a different value to having a son, for example. So someone who has land that produces certain type of crops and all of a sudden there is draw in those places, if you had a daughter, then maybe you would kind of bring back their marriage age by two years because that will be beneficial economically to your family because this year you couldn't produce what you normally produce to have them. Climate change producing people to displace from places causes all sorts of problems specifically for female and young girls. It's less safe for girls and women to move from one place to the other and be at the mercy of all sorts of crime while they're crossing borders, etc. But also you have to add things like having their period in the middle of uh, going through borders right. and being kind of shamed and mentally and emotionally Stresses. what that brings to a girl on top of the same problem. So a girl and a boy of 13 year old going through the same traumatic and horrible experience, the girl has extra worries. As you're talking, this is actually making me feel a bit welling up a little bit because I have a sister, I have my other half, we have two daughters and I have two sons as well. I look at my two sons and I'd love for them to have the same experience, a good experience. But to think of my daughters having a worse experience despite being in the exact same place, it pulls on something inside. And I can only imagine what a 12, 13, 14 year old girl who's expected to go and marry somebody because the family are having a hard time because of climate changes is thinking. Let's say you were president of Venezuela. What does your sustainable action plan look like? Actually, can I be the president of the UK? You can be president. If I <laughs> pick a country, whatever country you pick, yeah. what does your sustainable action plan for that country look like? I would like to be a president of one of the developed countries that have the most impact. If you want to be president of the UK, change. it changes every week. So, you know, you, you uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, I have yeah. chances here, yeah. actually. Back home, it's been the same party for 23 years. So, <laughs> so you're glad. Chances here. Yeah, consistency is what they've got. We don't have that yet. So, and the reason why I'm asking to change is because I don't think the developing countries, South America will have a lot of effect. My, our sustainability plans wouldn't have as much effect as a good sustainability plan in one of the developed countries that bring the most of the footprint globally, right? Yeah. So a good plan in a place like the UK or the US, well, absolutely about decarbonization of energy. We have to move away from that. Are we not doing a good job yet? <laughs> no. Am I confusing moving in the right direction for doing relatively well? Absolutely. I feel like there is progress and that's undeniable. Yeah. But I don't think it's enough to get us to hit the targets on climate change. There's a lot of confusion as well because I've seen stats where it says, oh, you know, of the power produced today was green energy or 30% and the percentage keeps changing and you never know exactly where you are. Yeah, it's exactly like you say. But another thing that is happening is gas and oil are still being invested on, so they will keep growing. I'm not sure how the percentage is going to look like in a few years, but if they keep investing on it, they are doing against the trend that we need to see. I would be investing in retrofitting houses that need to be more efficient in keeping their heat, not only for people's bills, but because it is actually huge CO2 being released for no reason. I would be incentivizing the change to electric vehicles a lot harder than it is right now. There's a lot of pushback on that, though, because the extraction of the raw materials to make the electric vehicles, there's an argument that we're kicking that over to developing countries. We're making it their problem. You guys go and, you know, dig mine for this stuff. Mm. 
there's a lot of pushback. There is a lot of pushback. And I think us always in any new industry, there will be things that we need to know that we are kind of giving up or sacrificing. I'm not an expert in this space, but I think that there is a lot still to invent and innovate in this space, but it needs to be funded heavily. So it's not only investing in how people will change their car to an electric car and starting everything from scratch. It's actually understanding what do we do with all the cars that are already out there and how do we make a circular economy thing where we actually use that prime material converting into something rather else. than extracting more rather than extracting more and and i know that extracting more is actually for the batteries and that's the electric part of the vehicle and it might be that we are gonna have to heavily impact the extraction on that resource but we're gonna have we're gonna be decreasing a lot and other kind of elements so whether that equation at the end is positive or negative, I think it's something that we need to observe and the scientists will guide us in the right direction. But right now, it seems like it needs, there needs to be a transition. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, someone's watching this and thinking, well, I don't really believe in the scientists because what they say, if it doesn't agree with what you think, don't really want to hear it. If there is someone watching this and they are feeling that way, what do you say to that person? People would like to disconnect from the conversation as long as they don't see that's for them. But yeah, it is difficult. I don't think everyone is ready to hear the truth. No? Why aren't they ready? Well, I suppose uh, it's easier to be disconnected. Yeah. Or or people have other priorities. And again, they don't feel like the problem is their problem. And I don't think we're, we're going to do much trying to just make sure that absolutely everything agrees with us. I think it is healthy to always have a lot of points of views in any conversation. And I think what it makes is it makes scientists and everyone that believes in it prepare better to talk about these topics so we are actually more convincing. So we actually know that we're talking from a good place and not from like bluff. And I think that's good. That's healthy. Are you optimistic about the next few years? I am. I am too. Yeah. I believe people have it in them to be better and to do good. I just think it needs to be a bit easier for them. If I put a magic lamp on this table and I said, I can give you three wishes out of that lamp, what would your three wishes be? Love this question. So the first one, I want to somehow get people that can have the responsibility of raising responsible humans to be able to make responsible yes. people. But I would like to see somehow this cycle of kids growing in the wrong condition, something that ends. It's definitely a, a system thing. I would probably also, with my lamp, make it possible for everyone to get trained about being a parent. And the reason why I focus so much on this is because I think a lot of the crises that we live today are actually moral crises. There are values crises. I think people that believe that they can just get richer and be okay with that without seeing the consequences for everyone else, that is just wrong values. Similarly, when we see young people wasting their lives to criminality, it's just because most of the time they didn't have the right upbringing, they didn't see the right environments around them. And all people need to be better at this is love. I heard one this quote that said, I'm going to make sure my kids love your kids. And I think that's, oh, that's so beautiful. powerful. Yeah. 
because in these generations, we know that we don't love each other that well, right? And what we need is kids that love each other unconditionally. Yes. Right. So that's number one. Number two, I'll go and delete everyone's biases. I'm trying to think what the world would look like if we deleted all biases. The problem is when we as a society understand that certain groups of people have more value than others. Do you think that will ever change? If I come and delete them, yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> and what's your, what's your third wish? My third wish would be change the economic system. Yeah? How? I would somehow try and kind of apply a lot of like the the basic notions of the degrowth oh, right. I thinking see out comes. there. Yeah. And organize economy in a way in which countries and their materials and what they produce is equally well paid in a way that we assign kind of growth quotas to things that need to grow a lot, yeah. but less to things that don't need to grow. I studied psychology and I vaguely remember a study where everyone was given an equal amount. And before long, some of the people in this study started to lose their wealth and others started to accumulate it. There's just a mentality where some people want more and other people are just not capable of having more or getting more or building on what they've got. So I think that would come back, don't you? I think it would. There is always fair competition as a good element of all economy. And I think that's clear. What I think needs to be a lot better organized is the way we understand what gets produced more for example. And then the moment where we are right now, where we know that we are at the door of a climate disaster, we need to understand that there are things that simply should not be produced at that rate anymore. And I think as a society, we have enough smart people to try and plan what is it that we need more production of, where, how, and have still a very healthy economy where competition still exists, but where we're not producing more things that we don't need. Do you ever feel guilt about how you live your day-to-day -day life? Yes, often. What do you feel most guilt about? Takeaways. Takeaways? Mm. Why do you feel guilty <laughs> about takeaways? Because cooking at home is always going to be lower footprint. <laughs> but also normally they all come in ridiculously plastic packages and I don't think it's a healthy choice, but I end up doing more than I, I want to. So all those takeaways you were getting, you clearly feel some guilt about it, otherwise you wouldn't have cut it down. <laughs> I do, yes, a lot. On a scale of one to ten, how much guilt did you feel? Back in lockdown, probably a nine. Nine? Nine out of ten, very guilty. You understand right that now. ten is the maximum guilt you can yeah, feel? Yeah, I was feeling really guilty. Wow. Um, yeah. You've made a change, so how do you feel now? Probably a five. A five, you still feel guilty? I still think that I could plan my meals, yeah. <laughs> not to take away, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it's okay to do it. I think nowadays. a lot of people feel too much guilt for what they do, because as long as you make a change, you move in the right direction. That's, that's good, isn't it? I agree. I, and I think I, I kind of make it up in other areas of my life and that should be kind of balancing out. But because I'm used to having, having kind of little impact in other areas, then I feel like that's a huge one. What else are you doing in your life to have the most positive impact? So, uh, sort of things, obviously, my consumption reduced a lot when I started discovering and understanding how to be kind of a better consumer. 
when I do have to buy things, I buy them from good brands that do good. So something that has positive impact. But the main things, I suppose, are understanding where to cut plastic consumption, energy consumption. So obviously, I don't commute by car. I don't I don't own a car. So I try to either walk, cycle or go in public transport everywhere. So yeah, in terms of, of lifestyle, uh, yeah, definitely recycling. I've become really military with that. And I wish I could be more on top of energy, but honestly, the house is what it is. We haven't been able to retrofit that. So that's that's a, another aspect that I'm quite guilty of, but I, there's nothing I can do. I think there should be more support from the government. I definitely have not bought anything new, piece of clothing new piece new piece of clothing for ages like yeah. you just choose choose the one thing that i buy you know, and obviously underwear yeah yeah <laughs> of course that not to be out you, you buy underwear uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> and underwear that's it everyone's tuning off now that Dwayne doesn't want <laughs> underwear god yeah. yeah and yeah i think in general it's about consuming less spending well and supporting the right courses and so if i ever can ever support a female owned business that is sustainable that's where i'm going to put my money on and i'm very very methodical about this you're at your house you're having a party this party's bumping i'm talking about the neighbors are banging on the wall saying turn it down you're having fun the door knocks donald trump greta thunberg you've only got space for one person which one are you bringing in oh my god i mean if i want to keep it fun it's probably going to have to be trump <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be entertaining. Yes, it is what it that is. That yeah. is for sure. There's always going to be a conversation going on there. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, as I was saying before, I think it's very important to have different point of views in the room all That's the time. So true. And, and even if it's just for a laugh or for fun, but most importantly, to know that your thoughts can be challenged and that you actually might be wrong sometimes. And I'm not saying that guy is right in anything. <laughs> I, I, if you did, I'd probably disagree with you a little bit. But what I'm saying is for the party, he would be entertaining and, and it would be healthy to invite people with contrasting and very controversial point of view to conversations all the time. And also it gives you a chance to convert somebody. <laughs> Or just kind of put them out there and be able to expose their own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, short One is preaching to the choir; the other one is trying to convert somebody. Uh, I think either way, I appreciate your honesty and openness. Are there any books or podcasts or websites or blogs that you'd point people to to you know read more or find out more? Yeah, I think in my journey as a founder, I have had a, a few things. I read fiction only so those are not going to be that useful in terms of what has been useful for me has been podcasts and newsletters for newsletters there is dtc direct to consumer they're an amazing source of marketing knowledge where to spend how to spend how to convince people changing habits all of these things which we need in the sustainability world if you're a brand owner please go there and see what they have to offer it's amazing in terms of podcasts, in my journey, trying to understand whether I needed funding or not, I started listening to a podcast called The Pitch Deck by Nick Tilson, an exited founder. And he has this really kind of 
great podcast where he invites older angel investors like himself and then a founder to come and do a pitch. I love it. And the third one would be Marketing Against the Grain, which is, again, two CMOs, HubSpot and I think is Sapier to big technology, B2B kind of uh, companies. And the two CMOs kind of have amazing discussions about marketing trends. This has been a wonderful chat. Noelia Rambal, if our listeners wanted to find out more about you, your business, the industry, where would they go to do that? Yes, we are goodfind.io. You can find us on Instagram, goodfind underscore io. And hey, at goodfind.io, if you want to email me directly, we are here to change the consumer's mind into being more conscious. So come and join us and come and have a look at what's coming next, because I'm excited about the next phase of it. Great. That was Big Earth Energy. Thank you to you, Noelia, for joining us. And thank you to you, dear listener. We'll be back with another episode soon. 